You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Well, the headlines make it very clear. We are at a turning point of the season, and I don't necessarily mean with the Seahawks. I mean with the weather and the official start of fall. I think we can all agree that it is here. Hello, everyone. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle. And John, are we ready for the fall weather as it has been stormy all week and I'm contemplating getting all of my sweaters out? I really hope this is kind of the like false early, really crappy because this feels more like November fall than September. So I think we're owed a little more good weather still. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we still get some of those nice sunny fall days between now and October, like mid-October or so because this is too early for the just you look at the forecast and it's just rain every day. Well, and unfortunately, I think that rain might continue into Sunday. That is when the Seahawks host the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, the Seahawks have the advantage of a 2-0 record. But, John, there are some concerns. There's some big storylines, and I think they really all center around injuries. You have been around the team and in the building a little bit more. What's the general vibe that you're getting? Well, I mean, two things. They they lost two important players on defense in Marquis Blair and Bruce Irvin. Two guys are really going to miss. Um, you know, the vibe, I think, is one of, you know, you're going to miss those guys. They're good players. They're starting for a reason. But I think there's also genuine excitement about some of the guys we're going to see step up. We saw Ugo Amadi come in. I mean, you go back to spring, and he was looking like he was going to be the nickel. And then, unfortunately for him, they decided to try Marquise Blair there, and he did great. But he's a, Ugo's a guy they have faith in, and he stepped in, and he played well. He had eight tackles, tackle for loss. He played well in that game last week. And then this is going to get us a chance to see Jordan Brooks start. You know, they're not going to tell us where he's going to play yet. Do they move KJ over to strong side? Does Brooks play there? But one way or another, it's going to be exciting to see that first-round pick who's going to bring – a lot of speed and excitement to that defense. Now I want to balance out or maybe temper that excitement a little bit because I'm with you and I love those guys that you mentioned, but on the flip side of this, we do have some defensive numbers that maybe call things into question. So I want to be able to to look at the entire picture because no team has allowed more yards through the first two games. The Seahawks have allowed 847 passing yards, 6.6 yards of play, 485 yards a game, over 400 passing yards. So when we keep the conversation going, how much of that is accurate for those defensive numbers? How much of that is partially the defense being gassed last week without two members of their secondary, and then just the way the games have played out? Uh, it's, I mean, it's everything. Those numbers are not great, and they know it, and they know they need to be better, especially the pass defense. The run defense is, is you know, teams haven't run on them a lot, but they've been strong there in terms of the numbers. But, yeah, situations have something to do with it. I mean, they got up big on the Falcons. They were throwing a lot. Last week, they weren't way ahead, but they were playing with the lead, and they were missing. I mean, they were down to their third-string free safety because Marquise Blair stepped in for digs, and then he gets hurt. So you're down to your third free safety, and that brings Ugo into the nickel instead of having Blair there. So you're you know, you're know kind of shuffling it up. That changes how you play a little bit. But 
ultimately, you know, they need to affect the quarterback more. And in turn, that'll lead to, you know, the ball coming out faster, more opportunities for the DB. So that group needs to be better, but I don't necessarily look at the numbers of first four games and expect it to continue at that level. We've mentioned a couple of those guys that we're going to see step in starting this week. Ugo Amadi being one of them. You know, KJ Wright said he played really well on Sunday. The problem became the fact that there were specific defensive packages that they were going to run that Ugo just wasn't going to be a part of. So you kind of had to flip around responsibilities and who was doing what. But overall, Pete Carroll doesn't see any drop-off when you put Ugo at nickel. Just do what he does. He knows the position quite well. He, he's an effective football player in that he, he, every, wherever you put him in the game, things happen. And, and uh, he's been really special in, in the team's area. And he, the other night, he was all over the field. So excited to have that kind of experience backing up. And, you know, and it's not a wealth of experience because he played half a year or whatever last year. And, uh, but it's good to have him. And, and uh, we do trust him. And, and he knows our system really well. But he does play a slightly different style than Marquise Blair, John. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He's not as big a guy. He's not known as as big of a hitter. It's it's a little bit different. And that's one of the interesting things about the nickel role in today's NFL is it can be a lot of different guys because you're dealing with a lot of different guys in the slot. Sometimes, And Ugo talked about this yesterday. I mean, you got, he's, as he said, you got to kind of cover like a corner and hit like a linebacker because you're dealing with, you know, they're going to have you cover a shifty slot receiver sometimes. A team might split a tight end out and all of a sudden you're on a tight end. You might be playing run defense. They might send you on a blitz. Like that's a position that in the modern pass happy NFL, you got to be able to do everything. And as Pete Carroll said, Ugo Amadi's just kind of got that, that kind of just that like overall football player to him of wherever you put him, whether it's on special teams, we haven't seen him in the return game a lot, but in college, he was a really good punt returner. He's just a guy that tends to figure out a way to impact the game. And he talked about working out with receivers who had different releases and tight ends who were different sizes. I specifically noted that he called out George Kittle was one of the guys that he worked out with in the offseason. There was a group of them that got together in Nashville at the same site. They were all training together. And so I think uh, I, I think Ugo knew what he needed to get better at. And look, if you have to go against Kittle and some of the other speedsters that he was talking about, I have full faith that he is prepared for Sunday and whatever the Cowboys are going to throw at him with the wide receivers. Now, the other position that's in question is how they are replacing Bruce Irvin. We talked about this a little bit. It will be Jordan Brooks. We don't know what side he's going to end up playing. But Pete Carroll says he's ready to take the step. He can do everything that we're asking our guys to do. He, he really, he's, he's equipped to do everything. It's just experience. It's all we're, you know, that, that's all he's missing out on. He's going to be able to do everything, whether he's coming off the edge or he's covering guys down the field, uh, pressuring. He's a good tackler. He's a good hitter. He diagnoses real well. We, we saw that from the mock game on that he had some nice plays there, and, and uh, he just needs to get out there. And when he gets out there, he's going to, you know, will there be some mistakes? Yeah, you know, like a young guy does, you know, he's going to miss some things at times, but uh, we'll make up for it around him and, and as he's developing. John, how much do you think the 15 snaps that he has played makes a difference going into this game? It absolutely does. I mean, that doesn't look on the surface like a lot of playing time, but it's, it is enough to kind of 
just get comfortable in that situation. Get some of the jitters out, especially for a rookie who didn't get a preseason, okay? Now he's at least had those couple of series. He's been out there next to Bobby Wagner here, and Bobby make the call. He he knows what that real game action is like. And, yeah, it's going to be a lot different if it's every play or you know maybe whichever position he plays, they take him off a nickel and leave KJ out there, and maybe he's only playing 30%, 40% of the snaps. But either way, he's going to have a much bigger role and, yeah, getting his feet wet a little bit instead of being thrown in for the first time this week. I, I think that'll help. Well, Bruce plays two spots too. And we know yeah. that Jordan has the speed. I don't know how he's going to be used in any pressure packages, but we know that he's got the speed. He was able to get to the quarterback at Texas Tech when he was in college. But I'm wondering how they're going to fill the other role that Bruce had, right? We, we kind of got half of the equation, but not the whole thing. Exactly. When you talk about Bruce Irving and her part of what makes him such a valuable player and why he'll be missed is you're, you're really looking at replacing him with two guys. You're not going to ask Jordan. I mean, really the only guy who kind of did both those roles is currently on the practice squad is Shaquem Griffin. You know, obviously they could still make a move to bring him up, but everybody else on the roster just about is kind of one or the other. Uh, There is Walker, who they added earlier this year, who so far has been inactive, but he's kind of in that same hybrid mold. But yeah, realistically, you're looking at Probably Alton Robinson is active for the first time. Pete's, Pete's was pretty clear that he will play. Um, you know, he fills in some of those defensive end snaps. You obviously hope to get Rasheem Green back, whether that's this week or maybe in the next week or two down the road. Whenever that is, he'll add to that rotation. So, again, it's with Bruce, it's more you're replacing a linebacker in base defense and a pass rusher defensive end in other situations. And that defense needs to be on point against the Cowboys. They have put up a lot of yards. They've managed to put up a lot of points. They had a very unconventional win last week. A little bit. But we know that the capability is there. What we don't know is how much of Mike McCarthy, past version in Green Bay, we will see Sunday with the Cowboys. We need some more games here to figure out you know, what they're doing. You know, with returning the same offensive coordinator that in a very productive offense a year ago, you know, Kellen's kind of there's there's a lot of similarities in what they've done that aren't aren't exactly the same as what Mike does. And I, I'm sure that you know Mike saw that you know they had a really good thing going and, and wanted to build on that. And I'm sure he's gonna we'll see more stuff as we go. You know, but it looks it looks like they 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 brought a lot of carryover from last year, which makes sense for the quarterback and the and the receivers that they have and the running back and the guys up front. You know, and so they took advantage of of uh, rehiring him uh, but you know Mike's a great football coach and, ta- and a tactician and all that kind of stuff we'll we'll figure it out here you know you know as, as we just got to get, get more games and we, we just got to get ready this week and it's so interesting when you take a look at the numbers the Seahawks have won in very different ways than the Cowboys won but a lot of those numbers John they look similar. For sure. I mean, these are two teams that are getting great quarterback play, have been really good on offense overall, but both have some question marks on defense. You know, it's, it's interesting. Both Neither team has gotten to the quarterback very well, and when you look at Dallas, they, they have some big names on that defensive line, and they have not produced like everybody was expecting them to, and they've been giving up big yards. So, yeah, this is a good test for both teams in terms of Two defenses that are trying to get going being tested against two offensive that offenses that really have hit their stride. And quick side note: when Pete Carroll mentions Kellen Moore, every time the Cowboys come up, that that's one of those makes you feel old moments. Because I wrote about him when he was a high school quarterback in Prosser. And granted, he's young for an NFL coordinator, but still, seeing a guy you you saw play high school football as an NFL offensive coordinator is a little uh, interesting. 
Yes. There's a few things that are starting to make me feel old. I no longer look at birth dates of guys on the team yeah. because it just, it doesn't do me any good, yeah. right? It just, it, it only serves to make me feel or, bad about or myself. Or the song or, at training camp where you're like, oh, this song came out before anyone on the field was alive. That's exactly right. I have no idea how it is that they know all the words to MC Hammers. You've got to pray, but yet they do. And I love that they are bringing that back. Let's get back to the topic on hand with the Cowboys. You mentioned that the Cowboys haven't been able to get to the quarterback. They have just two sacks through two games. Defensive coordinator Mike Nolan said that it comes down to they need to win individual battles. The units need to mesh better. I think we have heard similar things from Ken Norton, but here's something different. It is well publicized that the Cowboys are switching things up on defense. They're they're going between kind of a a 4-3 and a 3-4, and they had asked Everson Griffin, their new pickup in the offseason, to play out of a two-point stance, and he has said, I'm going back to a three-point stance. What do you think of the mixing schemes and of trying anything to get pressure on a quarterback? And keep in mind, they played Matt Ryan last week. He's not exactly the most mobile quarterback in the world. No, and I mean, to some degree, I think we see more scheme mixing across the league just because you have to be so versatile on defense. And, you know, you see teams that are, you know, they're a 3-4 base team, but then they mix in some different principles and things like that. But, yeah, it is it is interesting when you go out and, you know, sign a pretty big guy like Everson, big name, I should say, like Everson Griffin, and then ask him to change what he's done his whole career. And, you know, you got to make sure that the guy's comfortable with that and that it works. But, yeah, it's... Both these teams, and you know, from a scheme standpoint, we've seen the Seahawks try different things pressure-wise. They've been bringing a lot more pressure than they do in years past. A lot of that is the addition of Jamal Adams. But look, it's a quarterback league. It's a passing league. And on the other side of the ball, that means you need to affect the quarterback. And right now, that's been a bit of a challenge for both teams and something both are going to look to change on Sunday. Well, and I also wonder how much changes with the Cowboys offense because Ezekiel Elliott, 185 rushing yards, 64 receiving yards and three touchdowns. And the Cowboys have been playing from behind. They have not had the opportunity to milk the clock. In fact, it's the opposite. Zeke says this week that time of possession is going to be huge. How much do you think that figures in to the matchup and the outcome? I mean, it's funny, actually, McCarthy was asked about that today, and his answer was kind of, no, we're just going to try to score as many points as we can. So we'll see which which practice plays out, but you'd think the, the head coach wins out that argument. So I think, you know, if you have that kind of offense, it's as explosive as they do. It's very, very similar to Seahawks. Look, you have a good running back. You want to get him involved. Having that balance can help you do a lot of things throughout the game. But I don't think either of these teams – wants to come to the game thinking about time of possession more than they do about being explosive and scoring points because they both have too many weapons, too good of quarterbacks to kind of hinder that offense just to think, oh, I want to limit the other quarterback's possessions. Well, but it is interesting when you think about the Seahawks playing with a lead mm-hmm. and the defense being so good at stopping the run, you kind of wonder what those numbers for Elliott's going to look like at the end of the game, exactly. right? Because That's... you could see a significantly lower total for all those yards given up in the secondary and on passing plays. The Seahawks have been stout in the run game. That was one of their goals coming into the season. In fact, it's always one of their goals coming into the season. Yeah, and that's, I mean, long-term, I think if that's what the Seahawks run defense is, over the course of the year, that's going to help this defense be a lot better. And uh, again, we've talked about the passing numbers aren't good, and that's not where they want to be. But 
their run defense the last two years has not been close to what they want to be. So, you know, if you're looking for bright spots with this defense, that'll pay off over the course of the year if they keep stopping the run like this. And here's something else that pays off a a special teams unit that is performing like they are. I cannot end to this week's segment without giving a shout out to Michael Dixon. That punt on Sunday, the 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 64 yarder. Unbelievable. Nobody even had to be there. It just died. Yeah. Um, No, he's, I mean, he looks, he's back to, he he had kind of some ups and downs last year. He talked about it wasn't quite as good of a year as he wanted after that all pro rookie year. And he, he's back to looking like that guy. And, and as Pete Carroll's brought up unsolicited a couple times this week, it's the whole special teams unit. It's, you know, you look at, you know, the Patriots kept trying to return kickoffs and they kept tackling them. It was Nick Ballore just about every time uh, Cody Barton had the one big hit, but they kept tackling them inside the 25 yard line. They're, you know, their return game, they haven't had huge returns, but they got, you know, a long return from Homer and a good return from David Moore to give good field position. So, Across the board, their special teams has been really strong, and that's something they're they're going to hope to lean on through the year. And I am going to be asking questions in the coming weeks about what it does to not have Tyler Lockett back there in the return game. Pete says that he's still part of that rotation, but I'm wondering how much that opens up for Tyler on offense and how fresh his legs can be. And the Hawks were getting some yards in the return game. So I'm going to dive into that in the coming weeks, but we are almost out of time for today. John, what are the two things you need to see in order for the Seahawks to get a win on Sunday? I want to see, we keep talking about, but I just, I want to see the pass rush. They don't need to suddenly get five sacks, but you know, maybe two or three. And I want to see a couple come from the defensive line. You know, it's a, Watching Jamal Adams blitz is awesome. I hope they keep doing it. That's fun, and I'd love to see him get a sack every game. But the kind of more sustainable for defensive success is to be able to generate that pressure with your front four. So see somebody get involved there, get it going. And then I just want to see the offense keep taking care of the ball. That's you know something that obviously they had the, the one kind of just odd little miscue that unfortunately was returned for a touchdown, but overall that unit, you know, they haven't had the fumble issues that were problem last year. Russell Wilson's been phenomenal. Just keep take care of the ball. Don't give possessions away to a really good offense. I am going to go with time of possession, even though we said we don't know how that's going to play out because it does work in the Seahawks favor. If they can control that time of possession, especially knowing what the ground game for Dallas could look like if you give them the opportunity there. And then I would like to see the secondary tighten up on those yards allowed, um, it cut down on yards per play yards allowed. I mean, man, I I'd love to see that get under 300 yards a game, but if it all comes out with a win in the end, I will take the W over anything else. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Keep uh, winning. You can give up as many yards as you want. I'll, I'll take that all year. And whether we're talking about a win or other interesting storylines next week, it doesn't matter because we will be back with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Seahawks Insiders podcast. 